So I've been in that situation where you want to ethically treat your performers well, and you take the hit as a company owner, you take the loss, or maybe you're a solo performer and you still deserve to get compensated for your time and for turning down other work. And maybe you've already started work on a costume or rehearsal or training, all of that work and that committing to a future date that deserves to be paid. Being a circus boss is all about being confident on and off stage. It's about you living more of those powerful moments when time stands still and your audience is captivated and connected and everything feels right in the world. Welcome to the Circus Boss Podcast. This is the space where we talk about all things business and marketing related to circus so you can make those big dreams happen. We're your co-hosts, Brock and Eileen, and we help circus performers and producers manage your business with ease so you can spend more time on the flying trapeze. So if you're a circus boss that's ready for more, hit subscribe and join us every week. Your audience awaits. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, it's Eileen here for another solo episode of the Circus Boss Podcast. And it's my first podcast recording from Gainesville. We just moved to Gainesville, Florida, if you've been following along. So I apologize in advance if there are any weird noises in the background or if there's more echo than usual or just anything sounds different about the audio. I don't fully have the studio set up yet, so it might be a little bouncy off the walls. (laughs) I've hung some packing blankets up. Just a a little pro tip there. Those of us uh, in the events industry probably use, well, we used to use packing blankets all the time. Anyways, the other part about this new location is we're actually in an urban area. For the past year, we've been in Tennessee in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains in the woods. (laughs) So there might have been an occasional owl or we used to get some coyotes, which I would always laugh and call them hyenas at first until Brock would correct me. So I don't think we're getting owls or coyotes here, but there might be, I don't know, sirens. I'm a few blocks away from a police station. So hopefully I can edit all the background noise out, but... Just wanted to give you that heads up that the sound might be different. But today we are talking about contracts. I'm a little bit overdue for this one. It's just been a lot moving and unpacking and getting all settled in. But I have a ton to share today talking about contracts. So this week we are doing a workshop. It's Thursday, November 11th. It's called Book Entertainment Like a Pro. I've been talking about it for a little while. It's all about proposals and contracts. If you're able to join us live, awesome. I'll put the link in the show notes, circusboss.com slash contract workshop. We still have room available to join us on the live Zoom. If you're listening to this after November 11th, once we do our workshops, we always put them on demand so you can purchase it and watch it at your leisure. It's just fun to do it with us live because then you get to ask questions at the end and be more involved in the process of the workshop. So if you haven't listened to the last episode all about proposals, proposals and contracts kind of work together. It's like step A, step B of the same thing. The proposal is getting them excited about what you want to do and perhaps showing them options. And then the contract is once they've decided, this is what I want to do. The contract is what locks that into place and says, cool, 
this is what we both agree upon. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, you might want to go back and listen to that. Either way, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad all of you are here and tuning in every week. And I can say that it's been really awesome to hear your feedback on the socials. This is starting to feel more like a conversation for me. I actually got to meet someone in person the other day for the first time that had listened to the podcast. And I was like, oh, hi, (laughs) this is fun now. I'm actually interacting with real life humans, not just a microphone and a computer screen. So thank you for making this a two-way conversation because it makes it more enjoyable for me, for sure. So we're talking about contracts through the lens of where I have experience, which is contracts for doing entertainment at events. Now, while I have used contracts to book entertainment for years, and while for this workshop, we've been working closely with our lawyer to draft a template, and she has been awesome with me because I've asked her a million questions, and what about if this happens, and how can we protect in this situation, and really finding that balance of making sure that we're protecting you But also, I'm keenly aware of not creating something that will scare away a client. Now, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but I just want you to know that I've been on all sides. So when we drafted this contract template that we are offering in our workshop, I really, really viewed it from both sides. All sides, really, because a contract is about protecting all parties involved. But before I say anything else about contracts, I do have to, of course, say that Circus Boss is not a law firm. We are business coaches. So nothing in our workshop and nothing in this podcast is actual legal advice. And by you listening to my words, this does not establish any type of attorney-client relationship. We always recommend that if you have a specific problem and need legal advice, please, please, please contact a licensed attorney. I am speaking to you for educational purposes only. And my goal is honestly to help empower you to realize what you can be asking for. And so today I'm going to talk about some of the obvious and maybe not so obvious reasons why you need a contract for doing gig work. But then I'm also going to talk about how you can actually use your contract, not just to book the event. There's other ways that you can use the contract throughout your work. And then also I'm going to give you some tips at the end of different scenarios that might come up with contracts. But first I wanted to share a story. I posted about it on Instagram the other day. If you want to go check it out, there's a post with some Wonder Woman costume photos And that was a response to this situation that happened that we called Go-Go-Gate. So (laughs) we called it Go-Go-Gate because back in 2016, there was an event in San Francisco that was actually produced by Microsoft for their Xbox team. So Xbox is a part of Microsoft. This was an after party that was part of a gaming conference that was happening in San Francisco. And at this party, I don't know who provided the entertainment or it was at a nightclub. So it might've just been like the regular performers of the nightclub, but they had for entertainment, they had dancers with that like kind of Britney Spears, very revealing Catholic schoolgirl kind of costume. If you can get a visual of what that looks like, you know, like the little plaid short skirts and then like a little white top with a bra basically and they were dancing up on risers like go-go boxes right well a lot of people at the party were offended especially women because 
there's a big movement to have more women in tech and more women specifically in gaming. And the women that were at this party were disgusted and felt like that display of performers was sexist. It represented everything that they were fighting against. They wanted to be taken seriously. They wanted to be known for their knowledge and their coding experience and have more women in leadership roles, both in Xbox and Microsoft, but in tech companies in general. And for them to then see these women in this light was the antithesis of everything that they were working for. So they went off on Microsoft on social media and some of those posts went viral and they were bashing Microsoft. How could you let this happen? Now, I can kind of see what might have happened easily could have been, well, somebody was tasked with planning an event. They don't know anything about entertainment. They hired the nightclub to do this private invite only after party for gaming people. And the club might have said, oh, we have entertainers. It comes with your package. It comes with your rental. And so somebody thought, cool, we might just, you know, we'll get the performers that are usually in the club. This is my guess. I don't know. I don't know who provided the entertainment, but it just looked like the kind of go-go dancer you would see in a nightclub. Or somebody was trying to create the nightclub experience and they just hired dancers to be go-go dancers because they wanted everyone to feel like it was an after party, their own private nightclub. So I can see how it probably happened. I don't think it was intentional, but I also think it was missing a level of awareness of knowing their audience and knowing the current struggles of what some of the women in gaming were fighting against at the time. Hopefully this has changed. I'm not sure. Anyways, I'm giving you all of this backstory because in response to this, Microsoft had to apologize and say, we're shocked and appalled by this as well. We will do better. We will never let this happen again. So what happened in the coming months after that, I don't know about in San Francisco, but at least for us in Seattle, where Microsoft headquarters are, is that we had at least seven really large events cancel in a few days, sorry, the events did not cancel. They just canceled all their entertainment. They couldn't have any circus or dance entertainment, anything in tight fitting clothes, even if it wasn't go-go dancers, even if it wasn't revealing, there were no questions, there were no ifs, ands, or buts. The company was so scared about their image and they didn't want to offend anyone any further. They didn't want anyone to interpret, misinterpret a circus act as objectifying women. And so they canceled all of our entertainment. Okay, now I can go on a side rant and say what they don't know is that in doing that, they put financial burden on a queer owned women's entertainment company. My wife and I run the company together. And what they don't know is the majority of our women performers, some of them are single moms, uh, a lot of them took the hit financially. So we're doing work that empowers women. But because of this experience that they had with the go-go dancers, it rippled out. So <laughs> that's a little bit of the backstory of what happened. But the reason that I'm talking about this now with contracts is I say that there was a financial burden, but I want you to know it was not 100% financial burden. So luckily at the time that all of these events canceled, we had already gone to contract. So that meant we had already had a 50% a non-refundable 50% booking fee paid, and we had a side contract. And depending on how close to the event we were when it booked, we may have still had another payment coming. So all of that money was fine. 
We were able to recoup some of the money and time spent preparing for the events. We were able to pay all of our performers 50% of their fee for all of those events that canceled. The financial burden that I'm talking about is it took months, like three to four to five to six months for some of the tech companies that we worked with to feel comfortable and confident to hire circus or dance entertainment again. And it wasn't just Microsoft. It literally rippled out to all of the other tech giants that are in Seattle. That was probably 80% of our work at that time of year. So it did hit us in terms of loss of future work. But from those events, at least we did get that 50%. So I'm telling you all of that because contracts are what saved us in that situation. We literally, I mean, I'm talking some of them were $10,000, $15,000 events and we had multiple events. We have ethics and we tried so hard to treat our performers the way that I wanted to be treated when I was a performer. And so we paid everyone 50%. Now, there were times for other reasons that maybe I can say for save stories for future episodes, but there have been times that we didn't get paid or that we chose to give somebody a refund, but we still paid our performers. So I've been in that situation where you want to ethically treat your performers well, and you take the hit as a company owner, you take the loss, or maybe you're a solo performer and you still deserve to get compensated for your time and for turning down other work. And maybe you've already started work on a costume or rehearsal or training. All of that work and that committing to a future date, that deserves to be paid. That's one of the main things that we teach and preach. And that is not just in the contract, I want you to know. That starts on your website, it starts in your emails, it's in your proposal. It's something that you have to coax and (laughs) explain. And I like to say, be clear, confident, and firm with your terms from the beginning. So this is up to you to establish with your clients. And so I wanted to share our go-go-gate story because I imagine we've all been through some kind of cancellation since 2020. I, I'm, I'm, it, it, everybody had to have at least one event canceled on them. And unfortunately, probably a lot more than that. Well, for us too, when COVID hit and we had all of our events that had booked for 2020 cancel in four days, we were able to go and pay all of our performers 50%. It wasn't much, but at least it was something. And that felt good to at least be able to do that. So yes, contracts can help you in worst case scenarios. And even if once we think the pandemic is a thing of the past, I wanted to share the GoGoGate story because there can always be unexpected reasons for cancellations. I've had a couple cancellations happen before too that were ridiculous. One in particular was for a company I won't name, but they had just had a lot of layoffs because of, I don't know, restructuring or just financial problems at the company, I'm not sure. But it was a pretty large company and they had just had massive layoffs and they had already planned this party before the layoffs happen. And they thought it would be bad form to show this over-the-top party right after they did all these massive layoffs. Well, at that point in time, they had already paid us in full. We were literally, I don't know how many days from the event, but we we were still paid in full for the event. But they didn't want us to show up and perform at the event because that would have the appearance that they were spending a lot of money right after they laid everyone off. 
but they spent the money anyways because they hired us and they paid us. So it was ridiculous, but things like that happen all the time. So contracts can help make sure you're compensated for the work that you do that actually happens before the day that you show up. Oh, and a final note on the Go-Go-Gate story. The reason that I did this post with the Wonder Woman costume is one of the events that got canceled was actually a superhero themed event. And we were going to use this Wonder Woman costume at that event. And so we weren't sure if they were going to try to do the superhero theme later, or we just used that costume. And we had a whole line of superheroes. Obviously, we did all the time. But we decided to just overhaul all of our costumes. We changed them to all be full coverage. So there's photos in that post. You can see the last two photos in the post are what the costume was originally. And it looks like it's showing skin, like leg and chest, but it's actually like tan mesh and the performer had tan skin. So it just looks like it's her skin, but it happens to be tan mesh. Anyways, we went ahead and changed it all. So she has blue arms and blue legs and blue chest, but you can see the photos there. And like I said, there's a whole lot more on this topic. Maybe I'll do like a a guest podcast or something or an IG live on this with someone so we can like talk because I have so many thoughts to share on this topic. And I know it's a it's a hot one, but I'm sharing it in this context to talk about the concept that cancellations can happen when they're unexpected. So let's talk about some other reasons besides these worst case scenario pandemics and go-go gate scandals. So a basic reason that you need a contract is it's a way to present yourself and your business professionally and establish respect. So let's talk about presenting yourself professionally. And why is that important? Well, I'm imagining that for you, this is a business, not a hobby. If you're choosing to have someone pay you and show up at a specific time and they're giving you parameters, then this is a business. It's not a hobby. If it were a hobby, you would just be performing at your studio and doing whatever you want, whenever you want, right? When it starts to become a business when you're saying this is a service that I'm providing, right? It's a business transaction. Sometimes, even though people are paying you, they still... Think of circus and entertainment as art and a hobby. And we do it because we love it. And I know I talk about this a lot, but it's really up to us to establish that this is a viable business. This is a respectable business. We are just as valid as the wedding photographer. We are just as valid as the caterer, as the DJ, as the photographer. And in some cases, in my humble opinion, not only are we just as valid, But entertainment can really make or break an event. And it's really what sticks out in the minds of people and really brings that emotional element. I mean, I kind of think it's more important. But from a business standpoint, I just want to say we are an event vendor. As an entertainment provider, even as a freelancer, you are a vendor and you should be treated like all of the other vendors. And all of the other vendors have proposals and contracts in some way, shape or form but you better believe they're having a contract. And so as a freelance artist too, I would not leave it up to the people hiring you if you're working with event planners or clients. I would not leave it up to them to provide a contract for you. Now, if you're working for an entertainment company or an entertainment agency, they're handling the contracting with the client. 
So they're on the hook. And then you should have some type of agreement with them. And that that's a case where they're probably providing it for you. So they should have either a contract for each event or some type of agreement that you sign on an annual basis that is clear about what are their cancellation policies and what are their expectations when you commit to a job. Okay, so that's a little bit different, even though you're an independent contractor, that's going to be on each company. So if you're listening and you're doing work for an entertainment agency or for an entertainment company and you haven't signed any type of agreement, let's talk because I want to help you navigate that because you deserve respect and support and fair treatment as well. But when I'm talking about all of this, just for a frame of reference, sorry if I dived into it without giving this frame of reference, but I'm primarily talking in this situation with contracting when you are working with a client. So a client in my definition of it is going to be maybe a wedding couple that's hiring you. Maybe it's an event planner. Maybe it's somebody planning a party in their backyard. Maybe it's a venue. Maybe it's the public zoo. Maybe it's a shopping center hiring you for a season. Maybe it's a casino. Those are all when you're dealing with a client and that's when you should have your own contract. Okay, we'll talk in a little bit. We'll talk about if they have a contract for you. But even if you're doing like county fairs and city festivals, you should have your own contract to protect yourself. Okay, sorry if I launched in without giving that frame of reference. But part of this I mentioned is to be taken seriously, to be considered and respected as a business. But then it's also to show them that you can be trusted to deliver So a contract is also in the client's favor. So don't be afraid to have a contract. I've heard performers say, well, I don't want to scare them off (laughs) with a contract. So let's say, for instance, at one point in time, I bought a car and they offered me a service agreement. You know, if I paid such and such up front, then I could take my car in and get it serviced once a month to get my oil changes and all this stuff. Well, sure, they told me that, but I wanted to have that in writing I wanted to have that piece of paper so that I knew and I could prove, hey, that's what they said. I've paid for a service agreement and now I can take my car in to get it serviced. So the contract that they had me sign was also in my favor. So if you ever find yourself being afraid that you're going to be too demanding or too bothersome by having a contract, just remember it's actually helping them trust you and know that you're serious about what you're doing. So it also helps them. And this goes back to that concept that I'm talking about a lot about helping change the perception of the fact that as artists, even though we're artists, we're delivering a service, we are in fact a business. We had to do a lot of educating with our clients that yes, we indeed would show up on time. In fact, we usually showed up early And no, we wouldn't drink on the job because they would tell us these stories of hiring performers before that would just show up late or not show up at all. And some stilt walkers that would drink on the job and they knew it was stilt walkers because the beers were left up at a height that only the stilt walker could reach. I mean, it's insane, the stories. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're legends and myths. I don't know. But I just felt like a lot of the work I had to do was to actually prove to clients and planners that we're a business, you can trust us. And so the contract helps you do that. And now I mentioned this concept of establishing respect. 
Now you do that through in your contract, you're going to explain what your process is. You're helping educate your clients because people have no idea, no idea of all that goes into creating entertainment. All the different vendors that are at an event have a different process, a different time frame, and they're all unique. And a lot of them can happen on shorter notice than entertainment can. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And entertainment, yes, we want to be as fluid and flexible and deliver great client service. However, there are certain things that if you don't have what you've asked for, if you don't have what's in your tech writer, if you don't have the certain deadlines that you've talked about, you cannot deliver what you've promised or you will break yourself trying to deliver it, right? You shouldn't have to take on extra work extra hours and extra stress because the person that is hiring you is not following through with what they've promised. And so the contract just helps you have leeway to say, hey, these are the things that we need. I understand that it's not working with that timeline. Here's a way we can remedy it. There will be an extra cost because I need to bring extra staff in to do that. Or I need to have extra rehearsals to make that change. You have leverage to say yes, and <laughs> I'm sorry, side note, I had, I did a, I did an IG live once where I was like, I have a problem with the whole yes, and it's an improvisational game and it's good, but you're allowed to say no. So you don't have to be a yes person, but having a clear contract can allow you to say yes, and because you've already prepared them in the contract, that if things change or they ask you for extra things, there may be an extra fee for that. So that's where your contract can help establish respect. Another important thing about a contract is it eliminates miscommunication, or at least helps to reduce the amount of miscommunication possible. And it also helps be clear about expectations and avoid what's called scope creep. I mentioned that a little bit in the last episode about proposals. So let me just start with, there's this parable. I'm going to get it wrong because <laughs> I'm really bad at parables and expressions and stories. I just kind of make my own version. So there's a parable about an elephant where there's people touching only one part of the elephant and one is touching the trunk. And so they're like, oh, this is curvy and bendable. Another is touching, like, I guess it's side belly and saying, oh, this is like smooth and flat like a wall. I can't remember the other parts that they're touching. But anyways, they're all touching the same thing but all having their own perception of what it is, is the basis, the gist of it. Well, that's what I found with entertainment. I mean, honestly, you can probably apply that to almost anything in life, but especially with entertainment, because every entertainer, every company has their own process and has their own like package of this is what is included and this is how it works. So it's up to you to describe how you work and what is included with your entertainment. Because if you don't spell that out, the person hiring you will either have their own imagination or maybe reference if they've hired any type of entertainment in the past, assume that it's going to be exactly the same. And so your contract is a way that really spells that out. And so that's what I mean about eliminating miscommunication and being clear about expectations, right? And then the scope creep is the part where scope is like the scope of work. So that means if I were to draw a circle around all the things that you're going to do at the event, 
whether it's beforehand or the day of or afterwards, just draw a circle around it. If you don't define that circle and and enlist all the things that you're going to do within that circle, people may ask you to do things that are outside of that circle. And that's scope creep. So they're starting to creep and say, oh, can you also do this? 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 And I'm not going to say that like you're only ever going to do what's inside the circle because the reality is things change. Like working in the events industry, one must be flexible. It is a fast-paced, ever-changing environment. So I'm not going to say that things don't change and it's not about being rigid. It's about saying, okay, we acknowledge that things change and I'm not going to punish you if things change or I'm not going to say, no, it's this way or the highway, <laughs> but it's just acknowledging that it can happen so that if it does, or I should say when it does, you have recourse to protect yourself and you can say no to certain things or you can say, yes, we can make that happen. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, there'll be an extra fee or, okay, yes, we can do that we need a new stage now, or it just makes it more of a conversation where you don't have to take it on yourself and say, yes, we'll figure it out. You don't have to take every single request and take it on yourself and burn yourself out making these things happen to come across as a good company to work with or a good performer. A lot of times, honestly, people will respect you more when you have boundaries. And when you are clear about what you can and can't do, that's the scope creep. Just imagine the little circle. And then what do you do when people start to ask you for things outside of the circle? And just remember, you have leverage if you've defined what's inside the circle. Define the elephant. What's the elephant for you? So when things don't go as planned, you can protect yourself. But then also in the contract, you can outline how to handle it. So if there's a cancellation, if there's a postponement, if there's a force majeure event, if there's scope creep, you wouldn't call it scope creep. You'll just say, these are the services. If there needs to be changes, this is how it happens. So you don't have to leave it and and let it be like, oh, now we need to figure it out kind of thing. Nope. It's clearly listed. If you want to do this, here's how it works. And here's the timeline for that. And here's the fees for that. And so that when things change, because they're going to, it's not personal. And you don't have to feel on the spot because you've got things already mapped out. And the most important part, I guess it's not most important because damn it, (laughs) they're all important. But one of the most important parts about your contract is being clear about your payment schedule. Okay. So 50% non-refundable booking fee. Now, a side note, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I can tell you that lawyers have told me to not use the word deposit when you're getting that first payment, because apparently the concept of a deposit can be argued that it should be returned because it wasn't an actual payment. It was a deposit towards a future thing. I don't know. That's what I've been told. I may have mixed up exactly how I explained it because I'm not a lawyer, but I've been told to use terms like booking fee or reservation fee or retainer. Personally, we've used reservation fee, we've used booking fee, but don't use the word deposit and always say non-refundable and we recommend 50. If you're splitting the payments into three, you could do 30%, 30% and then the final, but on the type of events that we did, splitting it in two was a little bit more practical. So that needs to be in your contract and you don't start the work. When do you start the work? 
go ahead and we'll do a call and response. <laughs> if you've been listening to me and following on the socials, I think you'll know this one. But when do you start the work? Yes, you got it right. When you have a signed contract and a non-refundable 50% booking fee paid in your bank, that's when you start working. You don't order costumes. You don't cast performers. You don't start rehearsals. You don't spend your time doing logistics. You don't go to a bunch of client meetings. You don't start the work until they've paid you. I know that's hard and we can have conversations about that. But if you get one thing from this podcast, I want it to be that. So hopefully I'm not an overpassioned broken record at this point, <laughs> but I just want to talk about a few ways that you will actually use a contract beyond just signing it to confirm for your event. So we regularly used our contracts as a working document, not working that it's going to be changing a lot, but part of our workflow or work process. So when we were working out logistics at some point in the process, once they've booked you and you're preparing for the event, there's going to be email exchanges or phone calls or meetings where you're going back and forth and they may be asking you what you need. Well, you probably have all that in your tech writer. So the way we would handle it is I would attach a copy of the contract when talking about tech writers. Now, I'm not going to say, yeah, it's in our tech writer. Go read it. <laughs> like I'm going to be helpful. And what I used to do is I used to copy the piece of the tech writer where it tells them all the information they're asking about and put that into the email and be like, oh yeah, great, here's everything we need. And then I would say something like, for your convenience, we have our tech writers in our contract so the details don't get lost. I've attached it here for your reference. But you've also been helpful and you actually put it in the body of the email. So I'm not being rude and telling them, yeah, you've already got the information, I'm being helpful. But that is helping to train repeat clients that, oh yeah, when I need that information, I don't have to email. I don't have to get them on the phone. I have that in the tech writer. Like people sign contracts and they forget what's in them or they may not read them all. <laughs> Every time you mention it, attach it to your email again because it keeps teaching them, here's all the information that you need. And you know what? It's a reminder that somebody has signed it and agreed to provide these things. So it's helpful to always just politely and discreetly attach it there. And again, don't be rude about it. But whenever they ask you a question about anything, your hospitality writer, your tech writer, your timing, your anything, attach the, the contract, right? So that was part of our workflow. And then sometimes you may have experienced this. If you haven't, you probably will. But sometimes the person that actually hires you that does the contracting is not the actual event producer, so like a few weeks before an event or in a month before an event, you may get passed off to somebody else. And then they're like, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so and I manage the event. And you don't assume that they know all the information and that somebody's given them your contract. They might. But a lot of times there's like a ton of vendors they're managing and a ton of details. Like I totally get it. And so what I used to do is if I was introduced to somebody else or if somebody else just emailed me and said, hey, I'm the event producer, I would say, oh, great. I've attached a copy of our contract for reference. It has all the tech writers with all the details of what we need and our hospitality writer. It has our performance times. It has a list of all the entertainment we're providing. Uh, let me know if you have any questions, but I wanted to make sure you had this in case you haven't received it already. So this helps the new person get on the same page. Because again, don't assume they have a lot of information flying at them. Also, sometimes people leave jobs. We have been hired multiple times where the person that did the contract 
was not there when it came time to actually produce the event. And sometimes the contract would get lost in the shuffle. So I would always provide the contract in an email when I'm connecting with a new person. And again, it's all how you say it. You're not like, read the contract, (laughs) you know, like you're being professional and helpful. So the end goal here is that it was cool to see eventually we did make some of our repeat clients more self-sufficient where they knew, oh yeah, right. The information is in the tech writer. Cool. So another way that we used the contract in our workflow was uh, one or two weeks before the event, we have a step that's in our Uh, sales process that is called confirming details. And we would try to get on the phone to do that. But if we couldn't, we would do emails. We had a whole template. Well, speaking of templates, I think I've mentioned it before, but when the work, that's our sales process workshop. That has all of our templates. So that has our confirming details templates in there. But anyways, you can attach the contract to that email. And you can always just say, oh, I'm just checking to make sure all the details in the contract are correct and then you list them out. But the contract is there just as a reminder. And it's again, it's a reference document of what you have agreed upon. And then conflict resolution. This is what we want the contract to really, really, really do is just let's avoid conflict, right? You can spend so much time and unfortunately money when it comes to dealing with when one person says, but wait, you said this and you're like, no, you said this and I said this. Like we have different memories. There's another parable for it. (laughs) We're not going to talk about the elephant again, but I'm pretty sure you've been there at some point in your life where you could have sworn that somebody said A, B, and C and the other person swears that they said X, Y, Z. We can't just rely on memories. How how are you going to prove that? So the contract is there. If you have to go to court, you can prove, hey, this is what was said. This is what was agreed upon. But before getting to court, because that's like worst case scenario, it just helps you make it less personal. If things don't go as planned, you've already outlined, hey, when things change, this is the process. These are the steps. This is the time frame. These are the fees. So it's going to help dispel somebody trying to take you to court. We're almost done here, but I just have a few more practical tips. Like sometimes a client may have a contract for you, right? Well, you need to have your own contract, but you can have your contract as an addendum to theirs because a contract can be negotiable. So they may have things in their contract that contradict your contract, like the payment terms is a common one or the cancellation policies. We've totally had people remove their cancellation policy and their payment terms because that's just their standard and they understand doing business with unique vendors, have unique processes. So they would remove those parts from their contract and then add our contract as an addendum. So that way we are both protected. So that's really common. Don't be confused or stressed out if someone says, well, we have a contract. Then you say, great, I'd like to review it. And then I'll send you my contract for review. And we like to have our contract added as an addendum. And take the time to go through and make sure that nothing in their contract negates or conflicts with yours, okay? Now, there are some areas maybe that they won't negotiate. For instance, you may be asked to sign a hold harmless, okay? Sometimes if you're doing aerial or fire, somebody might not want to take on that liability. I'm not talking about insurance. You're going to have your insurance, but you may have to sign a hold harmless. 
Meaning that if something happens to you at their event, then you're not going to hold them responsible. Now, obviously, there's usually clauses about like willful wrongdoing, like intent, like it was somebody intending to hurt you. We're not talking about that. But if the reason I'm saying this is if you have to sign a hold harmless, that doesn't mean that your whole contract is out the door. There's just an extra clause that you can add in to yours that addresses the hold harmless that they may have you sign. Okay. Another thing is we have a photo release in our contract that might be standard for you. Hopefully it is. You can get video and photos from your events, but sometimes they may say no photos. And so you can decide, well, do I want to do this event or do I want to get the photos? With tech companies especially, there was a lot of no photo policies. I have a, a nice little second step of, well, can you get photos of just you that doesn't show the guests, right? And then if that's a no, then we can just take it all the way out. So we have a couple different clauses in our contract template of like, if this happens, then this, you know, but just, I want you to know that if they request one part of your contract to be changed, it doesn't mean the whole contract is out the door. Okay. Another thing that's common is they may have you sign an NDA a non-disclosure agreement. Let, let's say you're doing an event for Facebook and you overhear them talking about their algorithm or something. You can't share that proprietary information. Like you learned that through being on their campus, through doing an event, you cannot share the information because that's their trade secret, right? So signing an NDA is, is really common with a lot of tech companies, especially. So we had our performers sign a general NDA that just stood for all of our events so that we didn't have to have them sign one every time, but we signed one pretty frequently. But again, that doesn't negate anything else in your contract. And then I do want to say something too, like I mentioned the whole court thing earlier, but a contract is really only good if it's enforced, meaning they're going to sign it, but that doesn't mean that they're going to definitely pay you. Yes, they're on the hook, but if they stiff you, then it's up to you to enforce that contract and that costs money. You're going to have to pay a lawyer. You're going to have to take them to court. So I really want you to think about your contract and your payment terms working in tandem with each other. That's why you got to have both before you start the work, but then also thinking about your cancellation policies and when you get that final payment. I really recommend moving, if you're not doing it already, to either seven days before the event or 14 days before the event for that final payment. So you've got your 50% when you're getting booked and then that final balance due seven days before the event. So that's actually what we have in our contract because then it makes the cancellation policies easy. Meaning the closer you get to an event, the more of that final balance you should get paid. It's not just like, oh, you get the 50 and everything else is lost. Well, if you're less than seven days from the event, you've spent even more money and even more time and you deserve to get more of that money. So we're going with seven days with this contract template. I know getting paid the day of the event is kind of standard for a lot of entertainment. If you're dealing with a client, if you're dealing with an event planner, I just want you to know that a lot of other vendors actually have 14 days or seven days. I think I even saw someone doing 30 days before. So we're talking about like AV companies and decor providers and photo booths and casino gaming. So if other vendors are asking for that payment beforehand, there's no reason why entertainment shouldn't be asking for that money ahead of time. Now, the reason someone might not want to pay you before an event is they might doubt like, oh, I don't want to give this person money and then they don't show up. Well, let's circle back to the beginning of our talk. What does a contract do? It establishes that you're a professional. So having this professional contract is going to instill this trust that you are going to show up and that you're legit and you're real 
you're not going to spend all this time getting together this really nice contract and then just like flake out. No. So having the solid contract can help you feel confident in asking for that final balance before you've even showed up because you know what? You deserve it. You deserve it. So I'm saying all of this because let's say you have a policy that says, oh, if you cancel the event seven days before, payment is still due in full. Let's say they cancel three days before the event. Now you've got to go track down and get them to pay that money. Even if they've signed the contract and that's what the contract says that they still owe you money, I can tell you from personal experience, it's hard to get them to pay. However, if they've paid it before the event and then the event cancels, it's so much easier to not have to issue a refund than it is to track down money that is still due to you. So I really recommend getting that money before the event. We had moved to 14 days before the event when we were doing full event production because we had to pay other vendors because they had a policy that they had to be paid ahead of time as well. So it wasn't just us. And I would just really love to see this become more standard in our industry. Maybe for you it is. Maybe you require payment 14 days before. Maybe you require final payment 30 days before. I would love to hear. I would love to know. I just feel like I've run into more people that get paid on the event day. And if you're going to do this, I have one piece of advice for you. (laughs) Get it at the beginning of the event. And just, you don't have to be pushy to say something nice like, hey, why don't we take care of payment before things get really busy? I don't want to have to find you later and bother you once you're enjoying your event. Can we go ahead and get the payment now? I can get it into my binder or get it to my accountant or get it to my event lead, whatever you want to say, right? Because the person that hired you is either going to be really busy later and trying to find them after you're done performing is hard. Or a lot of times they're going to be drunk and partying because they've done their job. And now they're like, yeah, I want to let loose and enjoy this party. Before I started doing this, I had to literally go find people that were like barefoot on the dance floor, dancing and drunk to get my check. You know, like talk about awkward. So I've heard so many stories too from people. They do the performing and then they can't get the money and now you have nothing to leverage. You've already given your part of it. So yes, it's in your contract, but now you're gonna have to spend time enforcing that and take them to court to get your money back. It can be done, but why not get that money ahead of time? So there's my talk on contracts. We have a whole workshop coming up. Again, circusboss.com slash contract workshop. It's called Book Entertainment Like a Pro. If you are booking entertainment with clients, with event planners, you really, really, really should take this workshop for you. The amount of money that you will invest in this workshop is a fraction of what it would cost, A, to hire a lawyer to make your own contract, or B, to try to get yourself out of a situation that you could have avoided if you had a contract. So if something bad does happen, I don't want to instill fear here, but if you don't have a solid contract, it can be even more expensive. I don't know, 50 times the amount of what the workshop is. So it's a small fee to help us recoup the costs that we've put up front to pay our lawyer to make this contract for you. And it's something that once you put into place, you'll get a proposal template and a contract template. These will be the backbones of your business. It's a foundation that you should have for your business. You may already have a contract. Maybe you got a contract from a template online you found somewhere. Maybe you pieced it together from like free, you know, legal, legal zoom, I think it's called. I can tell you that I've gone and read a lot of these different free contract templates and compared it to what we've created with our lawyer. And I'm really proud of what we've created. So 
that's my little sales pitch for the workshop. There's just so much about it. I'm so excited. We've been working really hard on this one. That's why I'm actually late on this podcast. In addition to our move, I've been working really, really long hours getting all of this information together for you for this workshop. So just to wrap up today, I just want to remind you of the reasons why you need a contract for event work. You're going to present yourself and your business professionally and establish respect. It will help eliminate miscommunication and help you be clear about expectations and avoid scope creep. And then also it's about protecting yourself and outlining how to handle things if they don't go as planned. And then finally, being clear about your payment schedule. So those are the main reasons, simplified, very simplified, but a contract is something that you don't want to skimp on. It's like insurance. You don't want to go out there and perform without insurance. Well, you don't want to go out there and perform without a contract that's really there to protect you. So if you have any questions, I'd love to invite you to join our Facebook group. If you're not in there already, that is a great place where you can ask these questions and either other educated, incredible, experienced professionals in the group can answer these things or Brock or I can jump on at times and answer these questions as well. But it's a great place to Again, turn this a little bit more into a conversation. So hop on over there, circusboss.com community. You can ask us questions there about anything on the podcast and even ask for recommendations of what you would like to hear on the podcast. I have a few future episodes planned. This will be our last like podcast inspired by an upcoming workshop. For the rest of the year, we're just going to do some fun different topics and have a lot of guests. So thanks for sticking with me for all of this like really heady, really heavy stuff. I love talking about this stuff. I love geeking out on it. And I love getting the feedback from those of you that are just like eating it up. So I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And We would love a review if you want to give us a review on Apple podcast, or if you want to just screenshot the podcast or give us a shout out on the socials. We appreciate all of that. Okay. So next week is actually going to be a crossover podcast. I got to be a guest on the artist athlete podcast with Shannon McKenna last month, I think it was. And so we get to broadcast that here. So you get to hear me as a guest on Shannon's podcast. So that'll be next week. And then I'm lining up a few other future fun episodes for you. So we will see you soon. I hope you all are kicking ass out there and being the circus bosses that you are.